Hello there. Welcome to the Senate Podcast, episode number four. And today I'm joined by Dylan, the savant smasher, Riggin. How's it going? <laughs> I'm all right. How, how are you today? I'm great. I, I hate technical difficulties. And the good thing about podcasts is when you put it out in post, you cut out all of the technical difficulties. But behind the scenes, nothing wants to work right the minute you hit record. So this week, we're talking the two biggest releases of the year. Move over, God of War. Move over, Elden Ring. We're talking about Sonic and Pokemon. So before we get into the items of discussion and the topic, and before I ask you what you've been playing, I got to tell you a little bit about the podcast. Podcast will be out weekly on all streaming platforms, including YouTube. That's Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. I believe we're we get the most views on Spotify. You're gonna get a two for one on YouTube, essentially. But we're also on all the other platforms. And that's it for the uh, you know shameless self promotion. <laughs> and. What I'll do is I'll actually start off on what I've been watching lately because I just want to can piggyback off of last week. I finished Andor episode 10, so I'm caught up to date. And what an episode. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. Andor episode 10. All I'm going to say is Andy Circus, however you want to pronounce it. He is amazing. And then him in Star Wars is perfect. He fits Star Wars perfectly. And I saw somebody make the, you know, the connection on Twitter where he plays, yeah, he plays Caesar in Planet of the Apes. And essentially Caesar is leading a rebellion. And his character in Andor has a great arc and he ends up kind of leading the charge, leading a rebellion in Andor to break out of this prison. Episode 10 of Andor, and really 9 and 10 are, it's some of the greatest Star Wars ever. Like, Andor became my favorite Star Wars show after this. And I think there's still two episodes left to go. So we will spoil that completely one day, but that's just where I'm at with that. And I've also been watching another really interesting sci-fi show. Not a show, it's a movie. It's called Oblivion. It's a Tom Cruise movie that came out, I believe, 2013. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not, personally, no. I started watching it because I remember watching it in theaters when it came out. And it's actually a very interesting take on a sci-fi world. And I tweeted out, I was like, Oblivion, better than Dune. Because Dune was a release, you know, it was an older movie. They released it this year, kind of. Uh, as a as a reboot and i know a lot of people love dune but to me it's just not great it, it's not actually good fan. sci-fi yeah i'm just not a fan of the way they do it or like the world i, I think the the sci-fi and in it's interesting but i'm not a big I cyberpunk just, fan is why i think it just doesn't bring me in too much okay that that whole like wasteland but also mm -hmm. futuristic type thing yeah yeah and that's how oblivion is but 
Dude, Oblivion's so good. Probably because it has Tom Cruise and uh, Morgan Freeman in it. You can't go wrong with them too. But I've been watching that on Netflix. And that's pretty good. Pretty good sci-fi. And then to end it, I've been playing Modern Warfare 2. Sadly, not the best one. I've been playing the new one. <laughs> it's an um, interesting game. How does it compare to that one? Like, Okay, so if the game, modern, the new Modern Warfare 2, I think it fundamentally plays very well. I think it is technically and mechanically a great game. The content isn't really there. I'll save the multiplayer for last. I haven't jumped into the story, so I won't say anything on that. But the Spec Ops missions, I absolutely hate them. The Spec Ops missions are one of the coolest things about Modern Warfare 2, the OG one, because no other Call of Duty game did co-op or Spec Ops or whatever like how the OG Modern Warfare 2 did it. <laughs> I jumped into Spec Ops on the new Modern Warfare 2, and they're like, all right, boys, we're going to Halo jump into the battlefield. I'm like, oh, this is about to be really cool. I love Halo jumping in games. Like, you just run out the back of a plane and you jump and dive down. They're like, all right, boys, we're entering the AO. And then all you hear is, do, do, do. I'm like, is that the battle bus? The plane <laughs> starts flying over and you you drop in like it's Warzone. I'm like, this isn't Halo jumping. This is... I'm there. The battle bus has dropped me off for school. <laughs> so I, I, I quit. I rage quit after I saw that. I'm done. <laughs> they essentially just made a Warzone map, put down three markers, and they were like, yeah, run to the markers and grab stuff. This isn't creative, you know, in Fortnite. Besides that, the multiplayer, I really like the maps. I would say I like the guns, but listen to this. The worst part... Your gun progression, you want to level you like you like the AK? You want to level it up? You can't level it up by using the AK. The way you level up the AK is by using all of the other guns. So progression for one weapon is locked behind progression for multiple other weapons. Like I'm using the you know, the first one that you unlock or the first one that they give you. And I, I reach a point where I'm like, okay, I'm level like seven with my gun. I'm trying to level it up to get the attachments. Oh, no, you have to be level 10 with a gun that you unlock. My assault rifle, I have to be, I have to be level 10 with an LMG that I unlock when I'm level like 35 to unlock an attachment on level 10 of the first gun I get. Something weird like that. So I get it. It actually makes you use other weapons that you normally that weapons that normally might not be used so i get it but at the same time you have to grind quick in that game because if you get too far behind everybody you play with is going to have everything unlocked and it just makes it that much harder for you because i'm jumping in the maps with pea shooters i have a i have a nerf gun and i'm going up against people with you know real weapons so i just feel like i'm behind and it's just so hard to unlock stuff in the multiplayer, but I think they do that to keep you invested in it. I'm I'm enjoying it, actually, but I'm just adjusting to the differences in this new game. I will report back with uh, more information on that. But that's just that's what I've been into this week. What have what have you been watching? We'll start with we'll start with that. What have I been watching? That's 
sadly, at least this week, have not had the time to watch a lot. I did watch one thing this morning, but... Save that. Don't... Yeah, I am going to save that. that. Save that for later (laughs) in the show. Yeah, that's about it. what we're going to do is we're going (laughs) to talk about what you've been watching as, you know, a topic of the show. So tell me what you've been playing. Um, Well, just this week, um, Halo Infinite's winter update launched. Yeah, the, the winter update for Halo, that's including Forge, right? Includes the Forge beta, okay, and as well as co-op campaign and a new battle pass, which is like a free battle pass. And this one has the Mark V helmet at the end of it. You know, the good old Michael J. Caboose helmet. I've been seeing it all over Twitter. Oh, dude. (laughs) Surprisingly. Everybody, everybody wants to be Caboose. But, (laughs) um, talking about, like, Forge is... Forge is good. It's good. Sadly, you know, we can't... We Like, it, they don't load correctly in the custom games lobby yet. Um, file share is not great. It doesn't work correctly. And it is just the Forge beta, so I give them slack for that. Like, it, it's it's not... You know, they, they said that file share and some of the features would not be available at the Forge beta launch. So... It's understandable. It's just disappointing that like not everything's there at one time. Co-op campaign is actually more impressive than I thought it would be. It works essentially how you you play co-op and whoever has the least amount of progress within the game, that's where it puts you like story-wise. So if you all load like a file and one person hasn't gotten far enough in the campaign, then it puts them backwards. Because they haven't gotten okay. that far yet. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, um, and it works really well. You know, I think the only thing a little disappointing is since infinite m- remove collision boxes, there's no more like, you know, just jumping on top of each other and doing dumb stuff. Like you can still do dumb stuff, but it's like some of the old magic still isn't quite there. And and I've been seeing people um, post a lot of forge stuff on twitter even though like god award just came out mm-hmm. it's it's surprising that i've been seeing as much halo as i've been seeing but i think this is this update is really the thing that halo players have been waiting for since launch i think halo infinite's actually a game now is what it yeah, essentially yeah. yeah this update really kind of made it a, a a game it made it the full game i mean you're, it's still in the you know the forge is still in beta but it's almost like halo infinite just launched mm-hmm. and it launched alongside some big games this month it relaunched kind of in the middle of call of duty <laughs> god of war i mean it's like it's like not the best time for it too but at least it's it's kind of uh getting some traction out there that's it for what we're playing and watching Tell me a little bit about what you were watching this morning, because that's uh, that's a pretty big deal. Okay, so because I I don't even know what to call it. I I, I woke up like every Friday. I wake up. I'm ready to watch the new Pokemon episode, and you know I watched this morning's, and I mean the outcome. It, it blew up Twitter, right? Like. Ash was all over Twitter. He beat Leon in 
the World Coronation series. Did you see Downtown Tokyo? They were like streaming it on the buildings. That's actually insane. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all, though. They have a whole ass holiday called Pikachu Day. But (laughs) um. Well, let's consider this Pikachu Day because we're kind of celebrating the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. And that's what Mm -hmm. they were doing in the anime. So I only saw highlights. I mean, I saw a lot of clips and I didn't actually watch the full episode. So, so just kind of give us a This is only the it. last part. This is only like there's four parts to this battle. Part okay. one Part one featured um kind of just like the beginning of things, Ash Gigantamax, Gengar, um part two, Mega Evolves Lucario. Like basically like every chapter of like his Pokemon journeys, like the the newest iteration of the Pokemon anime. Um like he used all of the different battle gimmicks within like each of the episodes, and then so that's kind of how he beat Leon. Essentially, um, but so that's how he beat Leon's other Pokemon. Part four, Ash was down to just Pikachu. Leon still has Cinderace and Charizard. Oh, so I didn't know Pikachu beat Cinderace and Charizard. So, Pikachu was already in battle before, too, which is kind of nuts. Um, Pikachu was taken back because Cinderace has Libro, the ability Libro, yeah. and changes typing to ground. So, Ash okay. switched Pikachu. Immediately, Leon Gigantamax's Charizard. Ash uses his Z-move, his, like, uh, his signature Pikachu Z-move. It collides and creates such a big blast that Eternatus comes over... And what? then, yeah, it's it's nuts. And Ternatus decides to come over and then, um, you know, grant them a second, di- like, Gigantamax. So, Leon switches Charizard for Cinderace, and then Gigantamax is Cinderace, and then Ash Gigantamax is Pikachu. Does Pikachu like one-shot Cinderace. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, with, if, any, uh, if any Pokemon can do it, it's Pikachu. With Volt Crash, I believe, like G-Max, Volt Crash, or whatever Pikachu's signature one is. And then after that, no more Gigantamax. It's just a full-on battle between Charizard and Pikachu. And I've, and watched, Pikachu I've watched that battle like three times. Pikachu collapses, like blacks out, wakes up in like a dream sequence and you see every single Pokemon throughout all of Ash like all of the anime episodes, even the ones Ash released, like you see Pidgeot and Butterfree, and you see Larvitar, <laughs> you see um Ambipom, which is another one that like he traded away Ambipom. You see Primeape. And then like it, it goes to like each, you know, each generation he went through and everything like that. And there are also a lot of cameos throughout the episode, too, of, like, all of the old characters. I saw the Brock, other. right? Yeah, Brock was there, Misty was there, May, Max, Dawn. So it was, like, I don't know. It Like, Journeys is kind of more or less a celebration of the Pokemon anime. and Yeah, the whole you know, premise of Journeys, because when, he, when Pikachu gets knocked out and goes into that dream state with, you know, all of his previous, Ash's previous Pokemon... It's um it, it's, it's showing his like journey. It shows every yeah. yeah, it shows every generation of his Pokemon. Pikachu <laughs> fainted essentially, like not fainted, but blacked out. And every Pokemon was like, No, you got you got this. 
It's like, we're all here with you. And it's like every single one of his Pokemon, like, pulled Pikachu from from the brinks of death. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, revived Pikachu on the spot to, like, just wake up and kill Charizard. <laughs> Go <laughs> like, Super the, Saiyan and kill Charizard. Yeah. And Ash, after 25 years, has finally become the world champion. 25... Po- uh, is it really years though? Because <laughs> Ash is still ten years old. <laughs> yeah, he did it. Twenty five years later, this ten year old <laughs> did it. The eternal youth, ten year old. Must be nice. Yeah, well, that was a great way to celebrate the twenty fifth anniversary of Pokemon. And there's also some more Pokemon content coming out during the twenty fifth anniversary, which is Scarlet and Violet comes out in seven days. So I want to ask you a little bit about your thoughts on the game, but also if you've seen some of the leaks. I've seen as a in lot the of the leaks. I've seen a okay. lot of the leaks. And I also... What's your thoughts? Give me your first impressions of the leaks. I'm excited. That, okay. That's all I got to say. Is like, okay. this is... They're interesting. I don't think there's a design that I just straight up dislike. I think these these Pokemon games look very, very interesting. I'm excited because if the, if the one leak that says there's over ten like a thousand Pokemon within this universe, then more than li- like there's that's the not, national decks more than likely. Yeah, yeah, it's more than likely we're getting the national decks. Like all the Pokemon are gonna be here, and it's gonna and be great. I, exactly, and I don't see why they wouldn't do that because now's the time to do it. With the there's a this is a new engine they're working with, coming off of. Uh, the previous Pokemon game this year, which we'll talk more about later, but before mm-hmm. we talk about that, the leaks themselves, the starters. Let me pitch this to you. The water starter is kind of a water version of Blaziken. The fire one is a fire version of kind of Totodile. The grass one is a dark grass kind of version of Incineroar. What do you think about the typings? Because the water is water fighting. The fire is fire ghost. And then grass is grass dark. So very interesting typings. I'm conflicted on which one I want based on typing. So which one do you like personally for their appearance and kind of the way they're designed? And then which one do you think you're going to go with based off of your previous choices? I think cosmetically, if we're not talking about the first forms i think yeah. the third form rise definitely fire has the oh, best design of the three he has the best design by far of the of the final three mm-hmm. i won't say um, by far i won't say by far there's one other one the grass looks decent i like I the mean, grass i'm actually i don't know i don't know which one i'm going for what do you think about the water because i feel like that would be i need to alley. see the end game sprite instead of these okay. like the poster and the leak pictures and stuff because I feel okay. that they just from the angles that, like that these leaks yeah. are showing, it makes it look as terrible as humanly possible. And I'm and I don't so know. hoping it's better yeah. than that. Me too, because he has potential. And did you see that the fire starter is the singer Pokemon? The water is the dancer Pokemon. And then the grass is the magician Pokemon. That's kind yeah, of their performance performances. Yeah, that's kind of their whole thing. So 
I don't really care about the whole singing aspect of Fukoko, but Ghostfire is such a great typing. I really like the typing of Spragato's line, the Grass Dark line. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very interesting typing. I've been doing some research on it because I might want to jump into well, a Grass version it, of Incineroar. Shift Tree is Shift like tree a fake up yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Zarude as well. They're immune to powders and they also have pretty good priority moves. It's... It's gonna be t- it's gonna be a split second decision for me when the game comes out because I just went with grass with uh, sword and shield so I kind of want to go with fire because I'm not really feeling the water but I'm not sure. Anyways, the leaks were very interesting. Have you seen leaks for the other Pokemon? I've seen a few. Um, I have seen like Tyranitar. Evolu- okay, the futuristic Tyranitar. Is yes. that what you're talking? It looks yes. cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. I like the primitive Volcarona. Dawn fan. The oh primitive yeah, the primitive fan. The Great Tusk. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also the um the primitive Primeape, which looks amazing. Okay, so are you leaning towards Scarlet set in the past? I pre-ordered Violet, <laughs> but sell out. Okay, but I do like a lot of the designs of Scarlet more. The reason I got Violet is because I wanted to actually ride a motorcycle and not, you know, Run. a legendary Pokemon that's yeah, a legendary running. Legendary Pokemon that's it literally spring. has tires but is running for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Scarlet. I'm actually gonna get both, but um, yeah, the leaks of the Pokemon were cool. I like that they're doing the the past versions of some and then the futuristic versions of others. Like futuristic Volcarona, that's gonna be on my team. This game has a lot of cool features. Is there anything specific about the game that you like that hasn't happened in previous games? Like, let's say the the research aspect with you being you being out of school, or the what are they called? Like almost the the enemy camps that you infiltrate mm-hmm. with your Pokemon in the overworld. I don't I don't know how many camps it is, but it's basically like it's like they have their. You choose to do them at your own pace, I believe. And it's like they have, like, their own, like, you know, Team Rocket arc kind of mission yeah. thing that you can, like, go and... And then there's also the gym, the gym challenge, and then there's also, like, the Arceus, like, style, like, wild Pokemon expedition stuff. So are you looking to play it like a traditional Pokemon game, or are you looking forward to the new aspects? I think as I go through it, I'll just figure out, like, I, that's usually what I would do with Pokemon. Like, I figure out how I want to play the game as I go through it. Honestly, like, whatever is introduced to me first, or if they introduce all three and say, yeah, go ahead, that I'm going to be like, huh. Like, I think I, I'd be eager to do the gym challenge the fastest. It's going to be interesting. I guess mm-hmm. a lot of our excitement comes from just figuring out what this game is. Yeah. We're a week away, and they... They just released a trailer that showed literally nothing but a few of the, like, regional versions of, you know, the Mons. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, where do you think this generation, Generation 9, is going to rank among the, the other gens? But before we do that, let's rank the Pokemon generations. This is yeah. going to be the most biased yeah, thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll do this by bias. Um, and my number one, like... 
Are you just talking as a whole, as each generation as a whole, from like yes. games, shows, everything? Yes. Each like, generation. Okay, so if you talk about like these gaps in times, and obviously like, you know, I you have more experience with all mm-hmm. of the gens than I do. Yeah. So essentially, at the top of my list, I'm putting Gen three. I I literally have okay. to between Coliseum and XD being some of the best spinoffs. Ruby and Sapphire, the the soundtrack, the trumpets, Emerald with the Battle Frontier. There's so much, and then Leaf Green and Fire Red being cr- very good remakes. And, yeah, and it's just it's a great gen overall. I think Gen Three. You can, I don't think you can beat how much they did and how much was going on yeah, with the Pokemon at that time. Mm-hmm. It was, there was just so much, and I have to put Gen Three on the top of the list. Like, all right, Gen Three, the designs as well. The designs as well. Oh my god, they're so good. What? Yeah, I'm what, gonna put three on top. I'm gonna put yeah, five as my second. I'm gonna put five okay. as my second. And this is just because of the quality of the games. I hear the stories are great. The stories are great. The gameplay is great. Obviously, the Pokemon designs aren't the best. Which, like, this is coming from a like the content wasn't really there, but I think like the quality and how great these games were, and it's probably the biggest addition Pokemon has ever done. There was so many new Pokemon in Generation Five, like it was yes. a big addition. It was almost like a reboot to the series. Yeah, it was supposed to be, but like obviously Black White, Black Two, and White Two happen, and they're like, okay, maybe you know people didn't like this reboot because everyone's. Like, the, the competitive Pokemon's coming up. Everyone's just using their migrated Pokemon with, you know, <laughs> Rayquaza and all this other stuff's just coming back. So it's like, okay, obviously they didn't like our reboot to the series. <laughs> um, but, and, like, a lot of people publicly complaining about the designs. Like, oh, it's an ice cream cone! Or all this, you know, kind of... But I think Gen 5, from a quality perspective, in my opinion, I think is, like, the second best gen. Okay, so the, to round out your top three, what's your next one? It's a tough, tough choice. Three is very, very, like, the number three spot's very hard because, I, to me, it's a tie between one and four. And That's I think four is what started competitive Pokemon. Like, that's that was the, I think Gen 4 gave With birth the to the competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just the DS, the new Pokemon, the items, like, um, it was just, I think Gen 4 gave birth to competitive Pokemon, um, it gave birth to wireless connection, stuff like, like, yeah, it made it, yeah. it was more accessible to trade, and you didn't need these wires, you didn't, um, there was also Battle Revolution, had Wi-Fi battles, that was a big, Diamond yeah, and Pro and Platinum also had Wi-Fi battles, like, that was a big, big, it's like, oh, you can now battle online. You know, it's nuts. Even though it was very laggy, it was still, you could battle with Pokemon online and compete. I think I have to put Gen 4 in my number three spot just because of how right. much it did for the franchise. I like it. Three, five, four. Mm-hmm. Top three. And my then... next one's obviously one. Okay, then one. Yes, we, we, I would say and, one. For one, it's literally it's the beginning of the it's, series. It's the start. You, it's the everybody start. Everybody knows original, yeah. the original one fifty one Charizard. All it's nostalgia. It's great. After one, I'm gonna. Th- 
I'm going to say six. It had Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire as reboots. Decent reboots. Mega Evolution was it was very flashy and cool. So yeah, Mega Megas were a good introduction to switch up the series, and that was, yeah. I think, still to this day, Megas are one of the best things to happen to the battle aspect of the game. Yeah, I think I would put six next because if you put X and Y as like the standalone titles and that's all you think about with Gen 6, yeah. I think like it's like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this is, no, not Gen 6 yet. But I think like you, O-Ross and X and Y, you put that in the same category and I think Gen 6 did pretty damn good. Um, okay. I never played it, so there's, there's mm-hmm. a few of these that I haven't played, so. Next, I'm putting 8 down there. I think 8 is literally peak competitive. 8 had a lot going for it. Yeah, it had, like, literally the raid battles. Like, the raid battles, the raid dens. Tons, uh, like, Dynamax was probably the most fair and balanced <laughs> battle yeah. gimmick yet. Yeah. There was a lot of... um. The DLCs made the game, like, game's lifespan last longer. Great DLCs, Um, too. mm -hmm. And next, after 8, I'm going to put... I'm... I really hate to do this, but I'm going to put 7. Oh. With Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun and Moon. Okay, you put 7 and then your last one. 2 is definitely last. 2 is definitely last. Okay. I, I think... Two just hadn't didn't offer that much. We had new evolutions for a few Pokemon starters, and then legendaries. I kind of agree with you. Yeah, there wasn't now, much that Silver and Gold had to offer. Like it was, yeah, it was cool. Like Lugia was awesome. Ho Ho was yeah. really cool, and like the new story was really cool. But like it has the shortest story of like any Pokemon game. Gold and Silver just isn't. It's not a long story. It's very very quick the rival is very one-dimensional i don't know it's just not there it's not and there and a lot of your takes i agree with just because i haven't mm-hmm. been into it as much or as long as you so I, I can't really disagree with any of that except the fact my rankings are going to be different based on bias and there's some i haven't played so going just going off the ones that i've played four is going to be my top of course I love I'm a I'm a big fan of of history and and lore and all of that and Arceus and the origin of Pokemon were introduced in 4. I love that aspect. On top of that, great game, great story, great Pokemon. Still to this day has one of the best Pokemon games in that generation, which is Platinum. And then my second place would be Gen 3 because that has arguably one of the greatest games in that generation too, which is Emerald. So I would go four, three, and then I'm biased, then eight. Like you were saying, it has so much variety, so many Pokemon, so many aspects of the game, you know, where they introduced co-op, but also co-op raids, so many, you know, battling features. All the Pokemon that were in eight, I mean, there were, you had a lot to pick from compared to some of the other generations. So I would go four, three, eight. And then just going off the ones I've played, after that, I would go Gen, Gen 1. And then I would go Gen 2. And then I'd have to go with Gen 7 just because I've 
I've played it and I, I never played five or six, but Gen Seven is definitely at the bottom for me. I'd have to go back and um, play. Well, technically, you White played six with Alpha, like Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. That's Gen Six. Okay. Yeah, I would just loop that into Gen Three, and I didn't. I didn't play two. Like, I just kind of casually played through it. Mm-hmm. I would like to play the mainline. You know, the mainline games in Gen Five and Six, but my my list is a little bit more bias. But before we end this. Mm-hmm. section of of ranking the gens and, and all of this generation nine where do you think it's gonna land among the the rankings for me at least i think top three i think it's gonna be top three i think it has to be i think it may take over gen four for me like okay okay so that'll it'll it'll be your third break your top three Okay, yeah. that's fair. I think it, I think it will three, five, and then nine. I think it. I think I don't know. It's for me. It's going to be either spot two or three. I mean, I if it's if it doesn't surpass Gen eight, I will be shocked. So it, I, it has I honestly a lot don't think there's a way it can lose. Like I don't think it can. Like <laughs> if it doesn't, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a devastation. We're only a week away from that though, and then we can jump in and experience it. All right, are you ready for the uh, topic of the show? It's going to be of a fun Of course. One. All right. Let's talk about Sonic a little bit and how Sonic <laughs> is inadvertently tied to Pokemon. I'll go with this article from VGC.com. It's a review. The headline is, It may be tempting to compare Sonic Frontiers to Legend of the Zelda Breath of the Wild, but the latest Sega platformer actually has more in common with a different Nintendo exclusive. And I'm reading from the article, quote, As a neat bookend to 2022, Frontiers reminds us a lot more of Pokemon Legends Arceus, which was released back in January. That ended up being the first big surprise of the year, followed by Game of the Year contender Elden Ring, and then Frontiers being one of the last big surprises of the year, following after Game of the Year contender God of War Ragnarok. However, much like Pokemon, parts of the Sonic fanbase have been crying out for fundamental changes to the series for some time now. Both series had nestled a little too comfortably into a predictable formula, and despite new gimmicks and generational upgrades, it had been too long since either had enjoyed any truly revolutionary gameplay revamps. Pokemon's solution was to go properly open world, giving the players true freedom to explore its environments with quality of life improvements. And then, with Sonic Frontiers, Sega has come to almost exactly the same solution and the results are just as satisfyingly refreshing. All right, so before I go on a little bit more with the article, what do you think about the comparison of the Sonic franchise, you know, evolving into this more open world adventure, sort of how they did with the Pokemon series this year? They were in the same cycle year after year of very similar titles, and now this year they both kind of had this big step this evolution into um an open world formula and it it paid off and you've played both these games so you can kind of talk to how Arceus switched up the formula for Pokemon so let's just start there while we're on it explain a little bit about how Arceus feels like a Pokemon game even though they decided to go this direction with it I'm gonna be honest I I don't think that the it's necessarily the formula that was like really switched up because I think like 
what Arceus is essentially is like a big, like a much bigger. It's like basically you have four wild areas from like Sword and Shield, right? That's okay. basically what it is. There's like four wild areas, and you can fly around it. You can do all of this other stuff. But I think it's like how story driven it is, and how it's about the Pokemon and these new mechanics, and like you could get hurt by the Pokemon. Like it had like a obviously like a lot of like Breath of the Wild, you know, aspects to it. Like people compare it. You know, they call it the Breath of the Wild of Pokemon, just like they call Frontiers now the Breath of the Wild of the Sonic franchise. There was just something about Arceus that was just like, it was just good. It just, it was fun. It felt like, it felt like an actual, like, like modern RPG instead of... You're saying this worked for the series, the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, it it really did. It it became okay. I think Arceus literally became about catching them all. Like that's what it literally was. Is Pokemon got to catch them all. Is what that game was. It wasn't okay. it wasn't beat the gyms, you know, get beat the champion, this this and this. Like it was about all of this lore, you know, and like all of these surprises and it, it's just obviously you, there's like quests and you got to catch the Pokemon and like there's a lot. It's a very brilliant game. Yeah, it, I I agree, and you've played Sonic Frontiers as well. You know, Sonic Frontiers is a is a step in the right direction for the Sonic series because they are also going open world with a game that it, you know embraces Sonic. You're speeding, you're speeding through an open world. What's your experience with it? It's about to me. It looks like they're finally giving Sonic that freedom and you know speed that he's known for. Maybe not necessarily. Like it doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like he's faster in any sense. It just feels like this is the way a Sonic game is supposed to be played. Like, okay. it's how it's supposed to feel. Well, ever since after Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, since after that, it's just been, you know, the Boost Formula games that are very, very simple and very one-dimensional and very... and A lot of them just feel like copy-pasted formula games. And, yeah, like... Unleashed is praised a lot because the you know the hub world is interesting and the level design is pretty good, but it's still this like that colors even forces are just like these generations you can even loop into that mix. They're all they all feel like a very similar game. I think now that like what that article was saying, it does it does have a point because Sonic has felt a little dry. The formula has been like recycled since like after that like they've been playing it safe and now sonic's not playing it safe they're trying something new and it's great (laughs) like it's it's the best it's it's been for a very long time yeah he puts it in here it's satisfyingly refreshing and i can't wait to jump in because it looks refreshing it looks like you know it looks like how sonic should be and it's not necessarily a, a sonic adventure 3 but it's a love letter to those games like you were talking about it isn't like unleashed or forces or that formula but it's it's also not like the adventures games or even 06 while Mm -hmm. it's still open world so yeah it's still sonic i think a sonic franchises that's where their successes like always seem to be coming from because people still liked heroes people liked adventure but it always felt like every sonic game was something different like it had something different to offer the game core gameplay was different or the level the level design was different and then like it felt like every single new sonic game had something new to offer 
And then, like, 06 happened. Every game felt like it was just another, you know, two-dimensional Sonic game. Yeah, they were definitely afraid of switching up the formula after 06. And it's been such a long time that I think they finally realized that that's what, what needed to happen for this franchise. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned level design. I want to know kind of the difference between the open world versus the linear stages. There's a part in this article where he says, quote, in Frontiers, the open world is very much the star of the show. The stages, while welcome, aren't necessarily needed and almost feel as if they've been put in there to keep the hardcore fans happy, end quote. I, I feel that is the case because what essentially the, the levels are, right? There's these portals. You go into them and you go into a cyberspace level to get the key, these keys. And it's essentially just like a very quick stage. It's like a Sonic Forces, maybe a little longer than a Sonic Forces level, but like it's a very short and sweet like to the point stage it's like designed after green hill or um speed highway or chemical plant or um sky sanctuary like these classic levels and stuff like that it's kind of just like a nod to the old fans essentially that you know the article literally puts it on point of what that is um it's that it just nods to the nostalgia it's like hey this is part of the game and it's actually you know not, not, you know, we still have levels. Like, there's still levels within the game. They're just not co- the core to the gameplay. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Sonic feels in that, that open world area, especially. Because, you know, this is something we've been wanting since actually the very first Sonic Adventure game. We had a taste of it in the Mystic Ruins. Like, That's the gameplay aspect. How's the story? So, I'm not that, I'm not that deep into it. Okay. But it does go off of like essentially like there is like a prologue with how what happens to Knuckles, but like Sonic basically I think so far what I've collected is Eggman has designed like this new type of like that has something to do with cyberspace, right? Yeah, he does like and it has to do with like I believe the android he made which is that uh the like red and sage? black girl yeah sage and she basically tries to use these titans to prevent sonic from saving his friends within it because every time sonic saves one of his friends he gets pr- like corrupted with the cyberspace who stuff. sonic yeah and he gets like okay. he gets re- he starts getting sick like in the oh wow night. that's yeah. very interesting i had no idea about that that's okay so I'm going to go back to the article. Quote, Sonic games are usually infamous for having storylines that range from awful to forgettable. But Frontiers tells a compelling story with a new main character, Sage, who will continually keep players intrigued until the final surprising reveal. Without getting into any other details, while this may not be Sonic Adventure 3, fans of the Dreamcast titles will be happy Mm. to see some acknowledgement here. So, So... Yeah, we you made know what the, the big acknowledgement is okay. Yeah, the what, cocos, what is that? The cocos are actually just mo- like they are basically they're ghosts. Is what the cocos are. Okay, and they were all chaos beings. Like you know who the chaos zero? They all look like yeah. that. Yeah, they're okay. all people in the past. They're called the ancients, and they okay. all looked like chaos zero did. So this which, is almost um, a spiritual successor to the first adventure game. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, that's I like that. That's why it's it does feel like there is some acknowledgement there for hardcore mm-hmm. fans that have been around since the Genesis and Dreamcast. Dreamcast, yeah. Special and there's also like adventures in each of these islands. There's Chaos Emerald shrines, and like yeah. throughout it, Sonic questions. He's like, he's like, these shrines are made to look like they're to protect the Chaos Emeralds, not to like harness their power or something like that. So it looks like possibly that the like I haven't completed the game yet. But it looks like maybe possibly the Chaos Emeralds, you know, their origins are from this land or whatever else is going yeah. on. Like it's and there's some it's deep very lore. I mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's what really draws me into games. Sonic has been missing that for such a long time. That's one reason I really love Sonic 06. It has a lot of lore and story into it. So I'm glad to see this game is capitalizing on the actual rich lore of Sonic games and i think one reason they're doing that is because they have the people writing the current run of you know sonic the hedgehog idw comics working on the story and lore for sonic frontiers sonic's back yeah so he's back <laughs> and regardless what these scores say i think these these scores were just per, you know expecting perfection right they're, yeah they're and i was just about to get into the scores because not not to sit here and debate if it's whatever out of 10 but mm-hmm. i feel like this article's fair and they say they give it a four out of five stars yeah and i i can see seen that like being a lot of things great for sonic like 68 out of 100 or... i've seen websites giving it lower scores than forces i was gonna put that in into the show and somehow talk about it but that now did they only ridiculous. play the switch version or something like <laughs> i couldn't tell you and and we haven't completed the game so we're not gonna you know score it ourselves but i feel like four out of five stars is great for a sonic game and that's you yeah know, that's saying something like that's saying something <laughs> all right any do you have any final words about sonic frontiers um definitely get it get it when you can like just get get that game play it you know I'm gonna get support it this game get these copies sold let sonic team and sega know that this game is doing sonic justice we want more it's, yeah of this sonic we don't want more forces sonic we don't want more of all of that you know all of that garbage we want this garbage we want this this is the tasty garbage we're the raccoons and this is the garbage we prefer <laughs> that's so funny we don't want the we don't want the the mcdonald's <laughs> dumpster yeah exactly we want the five guys dumpster exactly yeah that that's the best way to do it that's the best way to say that that's perfect <laughs> That's our take on Sonic Frontiers. (laughs) All right, so let's just close out the show. This is the Senate Podcast. Like I said, you can find us on streaming platforms. Also on Discord, check the description. You'll find links on Linktree. With that, give us the final words. See what I did there? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so every other Sunday... We do live sessions called the High Council. It is with us at the Senate, you know, us and the crew all together just having a good time. And you can always find that live on Twitch. We upload those to YouTube on Fridays. Yeah, it's a nice, you know, um, supplement to the the podcast. And I think we had some good takes today and analyses of Pokemon and Sonic, two titans that came out this year, you know, among others. Among us. That sounds a little sus. Until next time. Sayonara, Shadow the Hedgehog. (laughs)
<laughs> you had to pick one of the most cringe ones possible. <laughs>